say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Over at bangthebook.com, we are your one-stop shop for sports betting news and information. I've already got four things up here this morning, a couple of NBA previews, my Week 10 college football power ratings, and also my Week 10 opening line report. We'll have a ton of stuff for you as we go throughout the week. Parker Michaels, of course, doing his daily thing in the NHL. We'll have coverage of Game 6 of the World Series and a whole bunch of stuff for Week 9 of the NFL season as well. So keep it tuned to bangthebook.com. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB, the number 200, is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino. At BetDSI, it's only a game until you bet it. One guest, good buddy of mine, one of our favorites here on the show. That is professional handicapper Kyle Hunter of HunterSportsPicks.com. Kyle, how's it going today, man? It's been a hectic morning, that's for sure. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking some sports here. Uh, gosh, this is the time of the year where everything's going on, so we'll talk a little bit of everything. Yeah, we definitely will. And something we do want to talk about here at the top of today's show, I know there's been some questions about uh, if Kyle's going to be doing the Daily College Basketball article for us, what he's going to be doing over at bangthebook.com here. And again, we'll try to get to some college basketball at the end of today's segment if we can. But, uh, Kyle, you and I have been talking, and and right now, you know, with uh, catching up on your prep work for college basketball and, and with some other things, we've kind of decided that if we do something here this year along the lines of an article, it'll be after the first of the year. Yeah, you know, I wanted to go ahead and address it uh, today based on a lot of people having questions. You know, I certainly enjoy working with Bang the Book. There's a lot going on here, uh, both with the sports season here when everything's overlapping here in November and December is always the busiest time for me. Uh, last year when we started it up, we did it in January too, uh, partially because of that. But uh, if we do something here, it will be uh, at the beginning of the year in January. Uh, probably not be a daily article, but I'd like to contribute in some way. I want to try to help. Uh, certainly not that I don't want to do something and it's nothing that Adam or anyone has done wrong. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in here in my life that wasn't going on a year ago too. So between my son having surgery coming up and still struggling with his health and then also uh, uh, tore up my knee, uh, torn meniscus and, and likely headed for some surgery here pretty soon. A little bit less high profile than the uh, Zion Williamson torn meniscus, but uh, still a torn meniscus in the knee. And I got that coming in right at the time here that's going to be really busy. So both with work and uh, life being more busy than it was, it's something that, that can't happen uh, right now, at least on a daily basis. Yeah, and again, I mean, certainly best wishes to you and, and best wishes to your family. And you know, that's the most important thing for all of us here at Bang the Book, and I'm sure with our listeners and our supporters as well, you're know, hoping that everything is, is all right on your side of things. And you know, again, we'll try to do as much as we can with Kyle for the college basketball season. Um, I'm still debating if maybe I'll try to pick up something. College basketball, not a strength of mine, not as strong uh, by any means as Kyle Hunter. So you know, we'll see what we come up with. We'll try to do some sort of content over at bangthebook.com and maybe do some more stuff on our bang the book youtube page as well but for right now kyle 
understandably has to focus on himself and his family. And, you know, uh, we'll see if we can do something here beginning with the month of January. So we just wanted to put that out there. I know we've had some questions about it in particular on social media. So, you know, obviously, uh, and, and you know what? I don't even want to apologize for it because Kyle has things that he needs to take care of. That's most important for him. That's most important for me as a good friend of his. So we'll make sure that we do things uh, in the right way by him. And hopefully that'll mean doing something here uh, once we get to the start of January. But Kyle, in any event, let's spend a couple of minutes here on the NFL real quickly, and then we'll dedicate the majority of the show to college football. And uh, look, man, it it would be nice if college basketball started tonight. Maybe not for you with how hectic today has been, but (laughs) it would be nice if we had something to pay attention to tonight other than this Dolphins and Steelers matchup. Yeah, I mean, it it might make you want to watch the NBA a little bit more here tonight with the Dolphins and Steelers matchup. But, I mean, if you look at this game, to be honest with you, the thing that really stands out to me is you've got a public big underdog. And this is pretty rare in the NFL. It's very rare to see uh, lines of this magnitude. And generally, you know, this year has been pretty often compared to other years. And I will say that. You know, when you see it, it's very rare that the public wants to go against that favorite. Um, It has me very hesitant to bet this game, to be honest with you. I I like the Dolphins if I have to pick anything. And and to be honest with you, to say I like the Dolphins is almost kind of hard to say because it's hard to like the Dolphins too much. But, you know, you see so much of the the bets, 60 percent. It was even higher than that yesterday. Sixty eight percent of the money on the Dolphins here. Um, It's just become a really popular side. Um, that obviously doesn't mean that you should just fade that and go against it and you'll make money. It's not it's not going to be that easy. But, you know, I, I just don't really like taking a big public underdog. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, what are you going to get from him? You know, will it be two pick sixes or will it be a good game? It's hard to say. You know, he has potential. He also has potential to really ruin the bet. Mason Rudolph hasn't impressed me very much. Uh, that's the main reason I would rather take the points than I would lay the points. Yeah, and Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit banged up in practice last week as well. So, you know, the Steelers, they, I mean, they don't have as many weapons this year as they've had in past years. Schuster's get, Smith-Schuster's getting that double coverage without Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, they obviously didn't have Le'Veon Bell last year, but, you know, James Conner in the stable of running backs there, not really as productive as Le'Veon Bell and not really as much of a dual threat either. So I don't even know how you look at the total of 44 for this game. You know, uh, Dolphins. Obviously, the side you would have liked, but again, as you mentioned, a very big public underdog. And, you know, hey, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I clearly had no idea in the NFL this week going 0-5 in both contests. So not real thrilled about that here on a Monday morning. And, and this is a game I'll just stay away from. But other than that, as far as what we saw in the NFL the rest of the weekend, anything kind of stand out to you that you want to mention here? I mean, I thought that there were a few interesting games here in the NFL this weekend. Um I went one and two in the NFL this weekend. My last game was the tiebreaker. That was the Texans and Raiders over 51 and a half. Obviously, it finished at 51. Wasn't too thrilled about that. But, you know, you've got a, a interesting game to me was uh, the Colts and the Broncos. To me, you know, the Colts looked like they were going to lose that game almost all the way through. Uh, the Colts, to me, I mean, their record certainly better than that team is at this point. You know, and I, I like the Colts. I like Frank Reich. But, you know, it's hard to say that with the kind of record they have and, and leading the division, I really don't think they're that good. You know, I think that uh, that's a division that's still wide open. Houston certainly has the potential to win that division. Um, you know, the problem is you got Phil O'Brien as your coach instead of Frank Reich. So, you know, talent-wise, Houston's a better team. Uh, uh, coaching-wise, they're not. 
the other game that kind of stood out to me there from this past weekend, it was a game that I lost. I took the under in the 49ers game. They'd been pretty good to me earlier this year, but the 49ers just ran over Carolina. Definitely didn't expect that. You know, it was under 42 when I took it. Uh, San Francisco gets to 51 by themselves. So not close on that one at all, but uh, I really surprised that Carolina defense, which really is thought to be pretty good. Um, gave up as much as they did. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo throwing 18 for 22, 175 yards with uh, 20 to 25 miles per hour sustained wins in that game. So uh, I guess the Panthers defense was just that bad. Yeah, I mean, that's an abominable showing for the Panthers. And I was on the Panthers and I knew that bet was dead in the water when that line kept coming down. A lot of public underdog money on Carolina. They were the number one consensus pick in the Super Contest. I knew that one was dead before it even went off. I was even having reservations about it on Friday and, and on into Saturday morning before I set my plays in. It just, it, it wound up not feeling right. And I, I stuck with it and I paid the price for it. And coming off of a buy, that is an atrocious showing for Ron Rivera and his team. So I don't know, I guess we'll kind of see how they bounce back. Uh, you mentioned Indianapolis. You know, I thought it was weird that I feel like Frank Reich is one of the better head coaches in the NFL. And there he is at the end of the game, basically playing for a 50-yard Adam Vinatieri field goal. Yeah. When Vinatieri has been a mess this year, we saw coaches punting from the opposing 33 and 34-yard line in college football this week. Uh, the Bears kicked four red zone field goals and a fifth field goal from the 22-yard line. It's hard enough to win betting the NFL in college football without these asinine coaching decisions. And the Bears should have covered um, you know, yep. Houston should have covered Bill O'Brien's running the football on first down against one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. It, it's so frustrating that I know that so many of these things are out of my control and, and my control when it comes to betting is getting the best number I possibly can. That's the only thing I have control over. Then of course, picking which games I want to bet, but week after week, man, I get boned by these idiots just making these dumbass decisions and I'm tired of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Did you have the Bears yesterday? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah that, that was a game I was following pretty close. That was my one win in the NFL yesterday with the under. Uh, I will say at the end of that game, it's truly shocking that the Bears were playing for a long field goal. I mean, everybody and their brother knows that the, the Bears haven't had a good kicker. And here there is a minute left in the game. Uh, they're just playing to try to knee it set up a 41-yard field goal. I mean, they had just been going down the field like it was no problem against the Chargers. They probably could have scored a touchdown, to be honest. Uh, just very strange. I mean, that they at least didn't even want to kick a shorter field goal. That one was really strange to me, definitely. And I agree with you that it seems like in the NFL that, you know, if you were going to take one league where you just bet on who has the better coach, that might be the one league to bet on just that. You know, if you just handicap coaching, that was it. You know, the lines are already really tight. But it seems like coaching matters more than ever to me in the NFL. And I, I would say the other game that really stood out to me yesterday that I didn't mention, first of all, was the uh, Eagles against the Bills. Uh, the Eagles bounce back win over the Bills was pretty impressive in the bad weather there. You know, Bills are what they what they are. They're pretty good defense and limited on offense. But I think that was a good showing by Philly coming off that ugly loss against Dallas. And and to me, even though Philly has been inconsistent this year, still a team with the high upside. That was one where the line told us everything we need to know. You know, you had a Philadelphia team off back to back blowout losses, a Buffalo team that's played very well here this season. 
you know, New Era Field or New Era Stadium, whatever the hell it's called, pretty good home field advantage. And Buffalo was never a three-point favorite in that game. So that line basically told us everything we needed to know. You know, obviously I got scared off by how Philadelphia has been playing, but that line was very, very telling. I mean, the result is not really what I expected. I thought Philadelphia could win the game. I didn't figure they'd win it by more than three scores. But again, the fact that Buffalo was never a field goal favorite in that game, those two teams were never equal on a neutral field. Philadelphia was power rated as the better team. That's one there, you know, again, you do a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking here in the NFL, and and that's one where I just, I, I missed the boat. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that um, there was clearly some sharp money on the Eagles in that game, and you know, it was hard to bet the Eagles after what you saw the previous um, Sunday night there against the Cowboys, but they ended up certainly being the right side. And I think that you, you can make an argument that if you're looking uh, at teams that are kind of by low teams that could make a run this year, that the Eagles would probably be about the top of my list. All right. So we go over to college football where, uh, you know, again, we've got guys punting from the opposition's 33 and 34 yard line. And we also have more chaos and, Oh, boy. I, I, I don't know what the hell happened to Alex Grinch. I mean, he was so good at Washington State, but Ohio State's defense was bad last year. And, oh, boy, Sooners, uh, not a good look this weekend. I was really surprised by that. You know, um, certainly if I had to pick that game, if I was going to bet something on that game, I would have bet Oklahoma. I didn't bet that game, fortunately, but I didn't think Kansas State had much of a chance at all there. Uh, Kleiman's certainly a really good coach, but Kansas State's numbers, if you look at them, they haven't even been very good defensively. Uh, They look like a regression candidate, and yet they come in and pull the upset against Oklahoma. Certainly it was an interesting finish there, and I think they made the right call with the the onside kick hadn't gone 10 yards. Uh, You and I kind of talked about that off the air, that a little bit surprising that they changed that, but I think it was the right call. Uh, I think that was really a... uh, really an interesting game and I wonder who that says more about you know maybe is Oklahoma not quite as good as we thought they were is Kansas State better than we thought they were I don't know what would be your takeaway from that yeah I'm not sure either I mean you've got a Kansas State team that you know beat TCU that was a little bit of a misleading box score a couple of weeks ago TCU then goes and beats Texas and winds up being the sharp side in that game so I don't know I'm not really sure who that says more about The, the one thing I know for sure is that it speaks to how hard it is to play in college football with no margin for error in terms of the college football playoff. And Oklahoma could still get there, but when you're one of these elite teams and, and you've got that bullseye week after week after week, man, you you can't slip up. And, and Oklahoma slipped up. And I mean, look, that was a game that was what forty-eight to twenty-three or something like that before Oklahoma mounted its comeback. I mean, that thing was a runaway train before Kansas State puckered up a little bit. That could have been a really embarrassing blowout. Yeah, I mean, and, and Oklahoma didn't lose to a team that was highly rated, so that, that one is going to not look very good on them, like, you, like you're saying. I mean, if they say goodbye to your credit card rewards, greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. They had lost to Texas by a small margin. 
uh, even though I don't really think Texas is very good, you know, that would have been seen as a more acceptable loss. To me, the other thing it points out is that it's hard to win games uh, that are really high scoring, uh, closer games because your defense is not very good. It's, it's really nice if you can at least have a pretty good defense. I think Oklahoma's defense is a little bit better than they've been in past years, but still clearly a weakness. And then another game I wanted to say briefly, Oregon. Uh, Oregon was a game that you and I talked about a little bit off the air, too. Oregon's secondary is definitely vulnerable against the pass. They've been very good against the run, but I have to tell you, the thing that really stood out to me at the end of that game was Oregon was so fortunate to win that game. Mario Cristobal did everything he could do to lose that game. I mean, you couldn't have possibly uh, made more questionable decisions than what he did. Uh, I, I posted on Twitter about this. You know, that is something that even though Oregon won, I think people need to really remember that in the future that, you know, Cristobal is a really good recruiter. And maybe he's good at motivating players, but when it comes to in-game decisions, definitely some problems. Well, and you and I talked a little bit about Oregon. I wound up with Washington State in the Golden Nugget, and we split our college picks there with Washington State being one of the winners. And I really liked Washington State in that game against Oregon because we saw Washington exploit that Oregon defense, and in particular that Oregon pass defense. Then Washington State, of course, throws for four bills, which they usually do, and they're very, very competitive for whatever reason against Oregon, I believe they had won four straight over the Ducks. This week, Oregon gets USC, and I will tell you this. A, I'm very pissed off at myself for missing seven or six and a half. B, I'm going to wind up playing USC Moneyline because I think Oregon goes down this week because you see this kind of forming. I don't know if we saw this with Oklahoma necessarily. Maybe we did with how they didn't put Texas away in the first half, let them hang around, had to hold on for the win. You're seeing this with Oregon and another game that's coming up this weekend with SMU. They've had a lot of close calls here too. You kind of see this coming where teams play maybe two or three games. They're fortunate to win or they don't look very good. Then somebody finally catches them. This could very well be that week for Oregon. Yeah. It was a Oregon was actually minus seven somewhere. Yeah. A circle open six and a half and bet online open seven. Wow. Yeah. I would have liked to take seven too. You know, USC has been good at home under Clay Helton. Uh, not good at all on the road. USC also has that pass offense that can take advantage of that secondary. USC's receivers are excellent. You know, the single biggest strength to that team is their receivers. And let's be honest, their quarterback play has been pretty good. So I think USC should be able to take advantage of that. Maybe an over in that game, you would think that Oregon could score their points as well. But, you know, in general, uh, it's a pretty wild weekend of college football, and I would say that, you know, uh, we had Ohio State with the dominating win over Wisconsin. Ohio State certainly looks very good, and I'm not just saying that as a Buckeyes fan, but they've been really impressive. And I would say that, uh, you know, you have a few teams here that are really standing out as the top teams with LSU and Ohio State, um, Clemson, Bama. You know, these are four teams that, to me, look like the top four teams right now. Obviously, so much can happen between now and the end of the season, but those four have played really well this year. Yeah, they definitely have. I just want to correct myself. Oregon actually opened seven at Circa as well. So, um, you know, kudos to anybody out there in Vegas that wound up grabbing a piece of USC because I do think they wind up being the right side here. But, yeah, college football is very top-heavy, and, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about Ohio State more, but Hey, Ohio State doesn't play a game now until November 23rd. They play, they got to buy this week. They play Maryland and Rutgers. <laughs> then they've got to pick it back up against Penn State. And then, of course, the rivalry game Thanksgiving weekend on the road at the big house. So Ohio State's got the two tests left and, you know, maybe Minnesota in the Big Ten championship game. So that'll be pretty interesting for them. 
All right, let's take a look here at some misleading scores from this past weekend. You've got two of them. I've got three of them. Love looking at these because, again, they can lead to getting in front of some line moves or just, in general, things that you want to pay attention to so that you're not overvaluing or overrating teams. Okay, I'm going to start with the one that's a negative one for me because at week after week, I've been leaning Central Michigan. Couldn't pull the trigger, couldn't pull the trigger. Finally, I take Central Michigan last weekend. They lose 43-20. to 20. Honestly, I had a pretty good Saturday, but you know this one kind of soured my day based on the fact that I've been leaning towards C Michigan every single week, and here they don't they don't finally uh, come up with a win like they've been they have been ATS every week. However, if you look at that game, Buffalo wins four forty three to twenty. Buffalo with four point seven yards per play. Central Michigan five point zero yards per play. Central Michigan had five turnovers in this game. They were three for 13 on third down and two for five on fourth down. Yeah, I, I agree. I was also on Central Michigan. We had this one in the nugget and also had it personally. And uh, I mean, look, Central Michigan, fumble, touchdown 22 yards later, fumble, touchdown in the first play 15 yards later. I mean, you just get buried at that point. And they were buried in this game down 30 to 14 at half. They gave up 27 second quarter points. Now, in fairness, they did give up two long touchdown drives there, but the two fumbles really changed the complexion of this game early. And uh, look, I mean, I'll, I'll say this, you know, Buffalo with Lance Leopold, again, I, I don't know why no bigger program came after this guy. What he's done here to get this team to 500 with effectively no quarterback play whatsoever, another good coaching job by him there in Western New York. Absolutely. He's a very good coach. You know, they're without their starting quarterback now. Uh, Buffalo is a team that has a lot of shortcomings, and yet they've still been able to do pretty well, at least largely based on having such a good coach, certainly. Another one I wanted to say, San Jose State 34, Army 29. This one should have been a bigger blowout. San Jose State had 8.2 yards per play, Army 4.8 yards per play. Certainly this was not a fluke. Uh, it shouldn't have been this close, I don't think. Uh, I think Army has been one of the biggest disappointments so far this year. And certainly San Jose State, you got to feel good for them. As much as they've struggled for year after year, for them to be this good has been really surprising. Yeah, it really is. A great win for San Jose State. And again, I mean, that spot was terrible. Long trip, early kickoff option team, and they still go up there and take care of business, and deservedly so. And I mean, I don't know if they get two more wins for a bowl game, but I certainly wouldn't mind seeing it. You know, I had this discussion with Brad Powers last week, and I just want to get your take on it. If you would have told, and Brad and I talked about this, if you would have told us before the season that Josh Love would outplay Jordan Love this year in the Mountain <laughs> West Conference, it would be, I mean, you might get committed for saying something like that. Right, yeah. I mean, you you would have, people would have given you some really strange looks, certainly. And I, I think that Jordan Love's struggles are probably more about the coaching staff or the players around him than him himself. Uh, you know, honestly, you could say that there was a misleading score and that Air Force should have beaten Utah State even more than they did the other day. Utah State was just totally hapless. They couldn't do anything right in that game. But certainly sad to see as good a player like Jordan Love really struggling in his final season. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to blame it on Gary Anderson more than anything. I, I know yeah. there was a lot of turnaround and, and only the two returning starters, but uh, I'm going to blame Gary Anderson for neutering him. And by the way, that's one of the big line moves here of the week. BYU and Utah State. BYU actually opened as high as eight at Bet Online. That line's down to three and a half pretty much market wide now. And I am very, very upset at myself for not jumping on that one. Three misleading scores that I've got for you here. 
This one's fairly high profile. Uh, Texas and TCU. You know, TCU wins 37-27, but four Sam Ellinger interceptions in that game. And that really changed the complexion of that one. Uh, TCU did outgain Texas on a yards per play standpoint, but still the four interceptions there for Texas definitely stood out. You mentioned this one to me, Miami and Pitt. Miami with 208 yards of total offense against Pitt here, only 12 first downs, but they win the game. Three turnovers for Pitt. They were minus two in turnover margin. That's one that stood out. But here's the big one of the week, the creme de la creme of the misleading scores as far as I'm concerned. FIU and Middle Tennessee State. <laughs> now, Middle Tennessee State did gain 496 yards here, outgained FIU 496 to 319. FIU was up 17 to 14 at halftime, outscored 36 to nothing in the second half, minus four in turnover margin, all of them fumbles for FIU. And Middle Tennessee State had 25 passing yards in this game and scored 50 points. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Did did you see any of that game at all? Did you see the conditions in that game? I didn't see any of it, but I will say this. Asher O'Hara, the quarterback for Middle Tennessee, 6 of 12 for 25 yards, but he ran 22 times for 159 yards. We haven't seen that wrinkle from Middle Tennessee all that often here. Certainly never with Brent Stock still. Haven't seen it much this year. 471 rushing yards on FIU. And if weather was a factor... How do you not flood the box? Yeah, it was a, well, the field was flooded. I mean, it was, there, there might've been, you know, 50 people in the stands total. They kept showing the players on the sidelines because there was basically no fans in the stands to show. So it uh, was just a, a wild game in that the you know, field just was ponding with water, uh, very heavy wind, heavy rain, and it, pretty stunning. Like, like what you just said right there. I mean, you knew middle Tennessee state was about to run the ball every single time. And yet here they're getting 15 or 20 yards every single play. I mean, in the second half, it was just unbelievable that they were getting so much. All right, so we go to some interesting stats here, and then we'll go to some regression stats. I know the people like those. We want to give the people what they want here on the show. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some interesting stats, you know, both uh, over the past weekend and from you know the year to date. So Syracuse, you know, this is a team that most people thought would be pretty good this season. Um if you want to know why they're struggling so badly, look at their offensive line. 42 sacks allowed this year. I mean, that makes that makes the Akron offensive line look pretty good. And, that, you know, that's that's hard to do. Uh, 5.25 sacks per game allowed by Syracuse. And, you know, I know some people want to say that quarterback play has a decent amount to do with this. But if you watch some Syracuse games, I'm not saying that DeVito or anybody that's been playing quarterback for Syracuse is actually very good. But... You know, it'd be hard for anybody to be very good behind that offensive line. They've just been really, really bad. Oh, they've been terrible. And, you know, I we it was an angle that we talked about in that Pitt and Syracuse game, uh, you know, two weeks ago. And that one became a sweat that it really shouldn't have. I think Pitt had, what, 10 or 11 sacks in that game? And they still barely covered the number. And the game still barely stayed under, too. Uh, but, man, that was a that was a really piss-poor showing from the Syracuse offensive line. Seven more sacks allowed here this past weekend. Yeah, it's it's truly gotten to be an epidemic for Syracuse. And if they can't fix that, then it's going to be a rough season for them. I'd be careful laying too many points with Syracuse against anybody, too, because especially if you think the other team has a decent pass rush, that'd be very dangerous. Um, Ohio State's first in the country in yards per play allowed at 3.59. I have to say it's really amazing what kind of difference a change at the defensive coordinator spot can make. 
This is really just about the same group of players as last year's that was a really big disappointment on defense. I'm going to say most of the blame for last year goes on to Greg Schiano, but this this defense is just so much better with a lot of the same players. It was hilarious watching the you know the the game there, and you've got Joel Klatt, like every every Ohio State defender he talks about. Hey, that guy's an NFL draft pick. That guy's an NFL draft pick. Yeah. That guy's a first rounder. And last year they were awful. It's it's amazing the difference that Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison have made here, and of course. Larry Johnson does a phenomenal job as a defensive line coach. And I I don't know if this is hyperbole, but Chase Young may be the best defensive lineman I've ever seen in college football. And I wish he had a younger brother. That that is the only (laughs) regret I've got about that guy. I I wish he had a younger brother who was better than him coming to Ohio State here in a year or two. Yeah, that's, I mean, they've had the Bosa's. And then you could definitely argue that Chase Young is the best. I, I think he is the best of the three of those players. Uh, just really dominating games by himself. And like you said, uh, you know, they have so many um, high draft choices that they're talking about. And it's like, man, those guys looked really bad last year. Not Chase Young, but most of the other guys. Uh, it's pretty amazing what a difference coaching can make. And that kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier. And even in the NFL with coaching, it really does make a big difference. Um, I wanted to point out that uh, Conference USA has been really, really weak this year. I started looking at different teams in Conference USA and thinking none of them have played anybody good. And you realize Conference USA is just really weak. Uh, UAB has played the 189th toughest schedule in the country, according to Sagarin. Um, I like Sagarin because it also counts FCS. So um, Louisiana Tech has played the 155th toughest schedule in the country. For comparison's sake, Sacramento State, an FCS team, has played the 123rd toughest schedule and you can clearly find a lot, a lot of FCS teams that have played tougher schedules than several of the Conference USA teams. Yeah, and something that's important to point out, I know we had a listener reach out to us about Middle Tennessee State and their yards per play number. We use CFBStats.com primarily here on the show. That does include all the FCS games. If you use something like team rankings, that only includes the FBS games. So that's why there can be some discrepancies uh, within the stats that we're talking about. But yeah, you look at UAB, and I mentioned this to you last week. I said, oh, you know, Bill Clark's doing work down there again. UAB, fifth best in the country in yards per play allowed with 4.09. I didn't. I knew their schedule was bad, but I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, I mean, if you look at UAB and you actually wanted to say how how good are they actually, how, where would their defense rank in the country, uh, gosh, I mean, it's hard to imagine how much lower it would actually Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Be. If you look at the schedule they've played so far this year, really, they haven't even played a decent offense yet. So uh, Alabama State, Akron, South Alabama, Western Kentucky, Rice, UTSA, Old Dominion. So, I mean, this has been uh, quite the run here for, for UAB as far as not facing any teams with decent offenses. Having said that, I would lean to some overs with them the rest of the season, uh, especially if you can get low numbers because – uh, they are going to play some better offenses. None of their offenses they're going to play against are great, but they're better than what they've played against so far. And I think you'll find 
in Conference USA, you're going to have a few teams like that to where their stats are pretty skewed because the, the conference is just very weak. Um, the next one I wanted to point you, out. Let me interrupt you for yeah. a second here. UAB, the only team they've played with a winning record is Western Kentucky. And Western Kentucky is right. great defensively, and, and they're not particularly awesome on offense. But one of my biggest overlays here this week is UAB in Tennessee for exactly that reason. UAB's had a bunch of big numbers here over the course of the season, but now they are tremendously stepping up in class. And Tennessee's actually looked much better the last three weeks here. That may be a reality check type of game for UAB. Again, we'll see how that line moves around nine and a half or 10 right now. A lot of respect for that UAB defense at present, but I mean, that's a massive step up in class to go from the schedule they've played to playing even a lower tier SEC team. Yeah, meaning you have the, the number a lot higher is what you mean. Uh, I think my number, well, it was higher than what I saw. Circa opened 13 on that game, I believe. Uh, my number on that one is seven, and the market's nine and a half. Okay, yeah, okay. So, I, I, yeah, I like Tennessee in that game if I was going to bet a side. Not, uh, not a huge PR overlay for me, but, uh, you know, just situationally, uh, UAB, just a massive step up in class. I could only take Tennessee there. The question certainly is, and I don't have it in front of me as far as who Tennessee plays right after that, but is Tennessee going to be looking past this game? Or are they actually going to care about this game? Uh, nine and a half, not really a big number, but uh, this is a Tennessee team that has certainly played quite a bit better of late. You know, I've been a little bit surprised by Tennessee's uh, play of late. It looks like they play Kentucky next. So um, I wouldn't say that's a big look ahead spot. So I, I certainly lean to Tennessee in that next game. I think that uh, UAB is, is just a team that I really like. And to be honest, I don't like betting against them. So uh, not sure it'll make my card, but I would lean toward Tennessee based on the step up in class. Uh, Baylor, a team that is ninth in the country in yards per play margin so far this year. I, I think, you know, people need to be careful not to overlook what a great job Matt Rule has done. I think there's a lot of places that wish that they had hired Matt Rule. I mean, uh, this guy is really proving himself time and time again. He's been great as an underdog. He's got this team playing some really good football right now. Yeah, Matt Rule's done an incredible job. And, and I know you and I kind of have this talk sometimes. Sometimes we do it on Twitter. Sometimes we do it on the show talking about, you know, top five, top 10 coaches in college football. Given the job that Matt Rule has done at Baylor, and I know the first year was a massive transitional year, but he had to clean up the culture of that program and also deal with a mass exodus of talent that wanted to transfer out. Matt Rule just might be a top five coach in college football. And the thing of it is, he's not going to upgrade to a better college football job. If he upgrades, it's the NFL. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I would be a little bit surprised if he doesn't get an NFL job at this point. You know, he has done so well here. There are so many NFL teams that really do need a new coach, like you've, you've said and we've talked about. You know, it'd be pretty stunning if he doesn't get an NFL job over time as good as he's done. Utah State, we mentioned them briefly earlier. Their average time of possession so far this year, 23 minutes and 38 seconds last weekend against Air Force. Time of possession was 1417. That's about as low as you'll ever see. So Gary Anderson, which, you know, I actually respect the fact that they're playing really fast. You would think that'd be good, but they're playing really fast, but really uh, have been poor efficiency wise, which, what does that mean? You know, you go three and out really quickly and you get your defense on the field for a really long time. I think Utah State's defense is actually pretty decent. But, you know, it's it's very hard to be in that situation. If your team only has 14 minutes time of possession, uh, it, it's going to be really difficult. And the fact that they're 97th in the country 
in yards per pass attempt with Jordan Love as their quarterback. I definitely think there's some coaching issues there. Yeah, there definitely are. And keep in mind, too, I mean, Love threw for 416 yards in the opener against Wake Forest, that up-and-down game that was kind of all over the place. So they've really regressed here. And they, in fairness, I mean, you know, you play Air Force, limited number of plays, limited number of possessions, did play LSU. We know San Diego State is a very feisty defensive team year in and year out. But man, as you look at the rest of the schedule, BYU, pretty good defense, tough game this week. Fresno State, they're down quite a bit based on everything that they lost, but Jeff Tedford's a great head coach. Wyoming, I mean, Craig Bowles done a phenomenal job with that team again. Boise State, we'll see if Boise State's healthy by then. At least they get New Mexico at the end of the year to let out some frustration, but I don't have a lot of confidence in Utah State going forward based on their upcoming matchups. No, I don't either, and Utah State's a team I'd rather go against than back, certainly. Uh, Just a team that to me, it's been a big disappointment. I know they lost a lot of talent, but, uh, you know, they should be better than they've been so far this year. All right, so we go over to the regression stats side of things. And again, a lot of good information here, a lot of stuff you can take over into this week and beyond. We start with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah, Nebraska scored on only 21 out of 31 trips into the red zone. Only 16 of those have been touchdowns. Uh, this is a Nebraska team that we've talked about quite a bit, so I'll keep it kind of short. You know, they've certainly been a big disappointment this year, but you would think this regresses toward the mean sum, and I think Nebraska will be better on offense going forward. I think there could be some value playing some overs with Nebraska here the rest of the season. Yeah, and of course, we'll see if they get Adrian Martinez back here sometime soon. Noah Vedral played 14 of 16 for 201 yards. Fairly efficient day for him against Indiana, but, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're better with Martinez, but... That's the thing you're, you know, and I always look at red zone efficiency and I kind of wonder, is it the personnel or is it the play calling? And if it's the play calling, that's kind of a, that's a pretty negative indictment of Scott Frost, who you know, was very highly thought of uh, both as a coordinator there at Oregon and then also as the Central Florida head coach. Yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll see about that one. You know, I, I don't think uh, either one of us are very high on Adrian Martinez. So, yeah, I don't know how big of a drop-off it really is there for Nebraska. And I think Adrian Martinez's decision-making has been uh, questionable, to say the, the very least. So, uh, we'll see about Nebraska. But I do think that as fast as they play and with those kind of numbers, that it should regress to the mean at least somewhat. Uh, Liberty. 28th in yards per play on offense so far this year, but 60th in points per game. They're only 89th in the country in third down percentage. I think some more points are coming from the Flames uh, here coming up soon. Uh, Is this a buy low spot after a Rutgers loss? Maybe, maybe uh, buy on Liberty here the next couple weeks if the price is right or some overs. I think Liberty could have some really high scoring games going forward. Well, you know, the the perfect elixir for a struggling offense is UMass. I mean, UConn just hung 56 on them. So I I imagine Liberty should have some success here this week. Yeah, I think Liberty's going to have some success here, and uh, that will be a very high totaled game, but there's no way I could bet the under. How bad is UMass that Liberty's more than a three-touchdown favorite on the road? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty sad when you see that, you know, they just lost to Rutgers. And, and like you just said, I mean, UConn's offense looked great against UMass, and everybody knows what UConn is, so that that's a really big indictment just in and of itself. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, I think UMass is almost unbettable. I think if you want to play something in a UMass game, you either want to go against them or take the over. You also wonder if UMass is just going to shut it down. I mean, I guess you could argue that it looks like they've had it shut down all year, but, uh, you know, this is a UMass team that um, – 
they, they've got some serious problems and they yet they continue to play in the top six or eight of the country in tempo. So they play really fast just to lose by a lot. So if that continues to happen, I like some overs with UMass as well. Um, the next one I had on my list here, Texas. Texas is 46th in the nation in yards per play, but they're sixth in points per game. They, they're very fortunate to have scored as many points as they have. Texas has been on this side of regression all year. Uh, still a team I'd be very cautious backing. I think the Longhorns are uh, not a team that you'd want to lay a lot of points with. You know, I know Tom Herman as an underdog has been really good. Tom Herman as a favorite has not been good. So uh, I, I know I've talked a lot about Texas this year, but I still think that they're a team that some people think is a little bit better than what they really are. Yeah, and I wound up playing Texas in, in the Pickham game there against TCU. I know TCU eventually closed the you know one one and a half point favorite. I did grab Texas earlier on in the week. My power rating line was minus three, but something I didn't realize and something I didn't factor enough into my handicap. And as I look here, they are tied for one hundred and twelfth in the country in yards per play allowed. That defense is not good, and again with the recruitment riches in the Lone Star State. That is beyond inexcusable for Tom Herman and his staff. Uh, definitely. It's uh, it's hard to imagine a Texas team with that kind of talent uh, being that bad in, in yards per play allowed. And, and they're minus 0.26 in yards per play margin, which, which is 86th in the country. They've played a pretty good schedule, but it hasn't been wonderful. So, you know, Texas is uh, not as good as some people think they are. I, I do think that you know, last weekend's game, I could understand you taking Texas because TCU was a big question mark. But uh, Texas, a team that I would not be anxious to back here the rest of the season either. Miami of Ohio, 58th in the nation in yards per play allowed, but a 108th in points per game allowed. I think this is one of the stronger ones here for the regression uh, profiles this week. Ohio State's 77 point total is skewing this number, certainly. And Miami of Ohio played a pretty good non-conference slate in general. And in the MAC, Miami has generally been one of the better defenses, and, and they play slower than most other teams. They have lower scoring games than most teams in the MAC. I think a positive regression candidate here on defense, and Miami, a team I would look to play some unders with when they're playing other teams who have had some very high scoring games recently, to where you might get a number that's several points higher than what it should be against Miami. Keep this one in mind because you've got Miami playing on Wednesday each of the next three weeks. They're off this week. They play November 6th, 13th, and 20th. So they're going to be in those, you know, those spotlight games for the Mac where they get some love on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, whatever, you know, all those games are on. You may want to look for some unders there. And again, keep in mind that you're probably going to have some public money coming in on the over in some of those games. So try to get in with the best of the number as much as you can. And like you mentioned here, Ohio State had 77 on them. Iowa had 38. Cincinnati had 35. So you know, they played a very good non-conference schedule. Now that they're in the MAC, where the MAC absolutely blows this year, unders for Miami of Ohio games, and then maybe even you know Miami getting Bowling Green at home and getting Akron at home, maybe some Miami ATS looks as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they play OU and then Bowling Green and then Akron. The OU game will have a pretty high total because Ohio's defense has been so bad this year. If it's high enough, I'd lean to the under in that one. I would lean to the under in the in the next two games there against Bowling Green and Akron. And like you, I would I would probably look to play Miami if the if the number is decent on an ATS basis. The other thing I'd point out is like we've talked about a couple times on the show, weekday unders have done really well. So those Wednesday games, uh, 
an underlook with Miami of Ohio could be a pretty strong look here going forward. The next one I was going to say as far as regression, um, Colorado State's offense. I think I've mentioned this maybe a couple times this year, but I think it's pretty important to point out uh, Colorado State has been really good on offense this year. Ten plays of 60 yards or more, which is tied with Oklahoma State for most in the country. Only 53rd in points per game so far this year. I expect more points from Colorado State. I'm still kicking myself that I didn't take the over in their game last weekend. That was a lean of mine. Uh, should have played that one. It's too low of a number. But Colorado State, a team that has been really, really good on offense here. And I think their backup actually has been a better fit for this offense than their starter was in Colin Hill. So uh, Colorado State, a team that I would look to continue to try to play some overs with going forward because I don't think the market knows how good they are on offense. No, I agree. And in fact, uh, that was the other winner that we had on the college side. The Nugget was taking Colorado State, of course, wound up playing them at the 14 and a half as well. And, you know, they're starting running back was suspended right before the game. I think a day before the game. But that guy had more fumbles going into last week than 103 of the FBS teams. So we talked about Colorado State and all the bad fumble luck that they've had this year. Well, the fumble luck was because of the running back that just got suspended. Last week, McElroy comes in 18 carries, 117 yards. They don't miss a beat running the football. So now you really look at Colorado State as a team that should take care of the ball better and should still be explosive on offense. Maybe not just an over team, maybe an ATS team here too, because again, like you mentioned, you know, they're a team that's kind of got some hidden upside to them and they do play UNLV this week. They've got Wyoming coming up, Boise State. They're going to be getting some underdog prices where maybe they're going to be very competitive in those games. Yeah, I would definitely rather back Colorado State than I would go against them at this point because I think uh, most people don't realize how good that offense has been. And if you compare it, they've got 10 plays of 60 yards or more, and I believe Northwestern has 10 plays of either 20 yards or more or 30 yards or more. So, uh, and I'm sorry, I, you know, I actually I really like Pat Fitzgerald, and I like Northwestern as a team, but it's been too easy to kind of just throw out Northwestern's offense. I mean, they, they put up a goose egg last week against Iowa. At this point, you, you have to feel pretty bad for that Northwestern defense because they're actually pretty good. Northwestern's offense is last year's UConn's defense, right? You know, right. you just, you just make, you just make jokes at the expense of that. <laughs> UConn gave up what? Nine, nine yards per play last year. I think right. they were like four weeks. They were giving up a first down per play. Uh, it, was, it was absolutely ridiculous, but yeah, Northwestern's offense has become this year's UConn defense, I guess. So, all right, we're going to try to run through some of these games and uh, we will actually get to touch on UConn briefly, but you know, again, when we look at the weeknight games, and I, I try to do this to make sure everyone's got ample time to listen to the show and get some thoughts here on the weeknight games, but uh, oof, this trio of weeknight games is is not particularly great here, so maybe we will have a few minutes to talk some college basketball. <laughs> Thursday night, Georgia State, App State. App State, 17.5 point favorite, 16.5 at bet online, so maybe this number is going to come down a little bit here at some point, but App State is just on another level right now. They're dominating teams. Yeah, I think this one's probably coming down because Georgia Southern runs the option. It's hard to win by margins against them because they go so slowly, run the ball almost every single play. I will say that the the forecast here is questionable. It looks like it could be rainy here in Boone. Um, you know, this is a game where I would probably look to play the under if I was going to bet anything. I think App State's defense gave up a lot of points and a lot of yards in the non-conference, but... Their defense is, is a lot stronger than most of the Sun Belt defenses. So if you get a number high enough here, 
probably would look to play the under. Um, I would probably lean toward App State here. Uh, my PRs have this one higher. I don't love going against Georgia Southern, like I said, because they take so long. They t- uh, eat up a lot of time. But you kind of wonder if if they're going to be able to go on those long drives very often because App State's defense is pretty good at stopping the run. And App State's used to playing against the triple option. So I, I would think that you know this is one where I'd be cautious taking Georgia Southern, especially less than 17 points. I got this one lined right at 17. It is a revenge spot for App State. They did lose to Georgia Southern last year, 34-14 to 14 on the road. <laughs> Gave up five and a half yards per carry, but that came off the Louisiana game, which was a rematch of the conference title game from the previous year. Then they played Louisiana again <coughs> later on in the year. So wasn't the best of spots for App State last year. Uh, this year certainly looks like it should be a bit better of a spot for them. Uh, you know, because they really haven't played anybody. Now, they do have the short week. They are coming back from South Alabama. So, you know, the short week to prep for the option, maybe a little bit of a concern. Uh, you know, you've got a new coaching staff there as well this year that maybe hasn't seen the option quite as much. Although, you know, NC State seeing Georgia Tech every so often, Eli Drinkwitz able to see it. Ted Roof's a veteran defensive coordinator. I agree with you. I'd have to look App State or nothing here. But again, very hard to get margin on those option teams. By the way, Georgia Southern last week against New Mexico. Three passing yards. Three. Nice. Real real solid. Um, I mean, even even as a triple option team, that's pretty hard to imagine. Um, I was just kind of looking here real quick to see what the circa number was on this one as far as the total. 47 and a half. So uh gosh, I couldn't take under 47 and a half. I was hoping it'd be higher than that. But um, you know, this is a game where I wouldn't want to take the over either. So I I, I would either take the under or pass. And I would lean toward App State. It's also hard to lay a big number with a total of 47 and a half. So uh, kind of like what you said at the beginning of this, uh, these games are not not the greatest. And I, I don't I don't think I'm going to bet this game. Yeah, sorry. It's against New Mexico State. Three passing yards for Georgia Southern. Did have 403 rushing yards, but also they had a punt return and a pick six in that game. So while it ended 41 to seven, uh, you know, it was a game that was, you know, kind of more like 27 to seven for whatever that's worth. And again, you want to pay attention to those little different box score quirks game. Three Oh five, three Oh six here, West Virginia and Baylor Baylor laying 18 in this one. My number is 21 and a half. So maybe a little bit of value towards the Baylor side, but we talked about Baylor already and how good they've been and how much they stand out. What stands out to me is that West Virginia is just not getting any better. And that worries me here in the first year with first year head coach, Neil Brown. Yeah, and I like Neil Brown. You know, I kind of thought that he would work out pretty well there, and, and certainly he still could. You know, I, I think that he's a a guy that I would give the benefit of the doubt to for for longer than one year, certainly. But uh, you know, the fact that they're not improving, especially defensively, has kind of surprised me. You know, offensively, knew they had quite a few problems. They're 126th in the nation in yards per carry, 2.90. So West Virginia has to throw. Uh, Baylor's got a good secondary. Um, I can't imagine West Virginia doing too much here on offense. I have Baylor minus 21 in this one, and I, I do kind of like Baylor. Of the games that we're going to talk about, this would probably be my favorite uh, play. You know, Baylor is a team that I would rather take as a short favorite or as an underdog than I would lay a bunch of points. But I think it does make sense based on the situational spot here that, you know, Baylor's had plenty of time to get ready for this game. Certainly so has uh, West Virginia. But, you know, Baylor's a team that, you know, you could make an argument coming off a win at Oklahoma State. If they had played right away after it, maybe it would be a bad spot. I don't think you can make that argument when it's been this long, though. 
Well, and here's the thing. Baylor kind of falls into that same, you know, puzzle that everybody in college football falls into. The great win over Iowa State, where Iowa State scored all 21 points in the fourth quarter. Iowa State, sharp darling. Everybody loves them. They lose at home to Oklahoma State last week. Big win over Kansas State on the road. Kansas State, how good are they? We don't really know. Then Kansas State goes out and beats Oklahoma. Texas Tech, okay. You know, they beat Texas Tech by three. Not the greatest of wins. Did have to go to overtime for that one. Then Texas Tech loses to Kansas. So what is Texas Tech? And then that win over Oklahoma State last week. Oklahoma State, very up and down, very Jekyll and Hyde. And then for Baylor, after this West Virginia game at TCU, and then you host Oklahoma and host Texas. So we're going to find out a lot about Baylor, I think, with how they handle this game with those three much bigger games on deck, especially now that they're in the driver's seat to win the Big 12. Yeah, that's certainly a fair point. The, the schedule they have coming after this is one that's, that's certainly uh, pretty daunting. And let's be honest, even Kansas is playing a lot better this year. I, I've been really impressed with what Les Miles is doing at Kansas. Not to say that those are the same levels, you know, playing Oklahoma or Texas, but still, you know, going to Kansas is now not going to be the easy game that it was in the past. So uh, Baylor has a difficult schedule the rest of the way. That would maybe uh, make you wonder if taking them in the first half here would make some sense. And uh, I wouldn't argue with that. You know, maybe you get minus 10 and a half or something like that, minus 11 first half. Uh, I, I would argue that first half here on Baylor makes quite a bit of sense. All right, we got one FBS game on Friday. We actually have two games total, one of them FCS, Princeton, and Cornell up in the Ivy. But Navy and UConn, Navy laying 26 and a half as an option team in a game with limited possessions. I, I, I was racking my brain to try and remember if I've seen a service academy favored by this much over a fellow FBS team. And this morning with a quick search, I, I couldn't find one. Yeah, I, I imagine, I mean, uh, I'm probably just about as excited about this game as you are, Adam. I mean, this game is uh, is one where, uh, you know, if you got something else to do, Friday night would be a good time to try to do it. Maybe it's, uh, you know, trick-or-treat night for the kids or uh, just getting ready for something else. But, but uh, you know, not an exciting game here in any way. I, I think that Navy, a team that, uh, let's be honest, I think both of us would say, I definitely did not expect Navy to be this good this year. They have way overperformed my expectations, have moved them up significantly week after week in my PRs. And I keep thinking, you know, I can't keep moving them up, and yet they do very well. Uh, they got a big lead there against Tulane and almost uh, ended up losing that game. But, you know, the, the Navy offense I'm confident in. The Navy defense, I still wonder if they're as good as their as their 28th ranking in yards per play in the country. Uh, I think that Navy's defense is still probably their weakness, especially the pass defense. But they're certainly much better than they were last year. And how does that, you know, come into this game? I don't think that factors into this game much at all. You know, I, I can't argue for UConn being able to take advantage of a, a weaker pass defense. I mean, uh, UConn put up points against UMass, but that doesn't say much at all. So to me, uh, I, I would find it extremely difficult to lay 26 points with Navy, you know, a team, a triple option team where there's going to be limited possessions, but I, I'm not excited to take UConn. So I don't know, Adam, I hope you like something better than I do in this one. Uh, my line's 26. I mean, I kind of like UConn a little bit. They have played better the last two weeks, but also a rather... Uh, I thought that Houston was unmotivated and maybe they were to go on the road for that game. But then I bet against Houston this past week against SMU and 
they hung right in there with the Mustangs. Maybe the pressure's getting to SMU a little bit, but I was very impressed with Houston in that game last week. So does that make what UConn did two weeks ago against Houston more impressive? Maybe. If I had to do anything here, I'm taking UConn. I'm not laying almost four touchdowns with Navy and the option. The problem is I don't know how long UConn possesses the ball here. So they've got to score probably on two of their limited number of possessions. If that happens, they should cover. If they don't, then they might get shut out of 31 to nothing or 28 nothing, something like that. So probably look under more so than anything, especially because UConn's really run the football effectively the last two weeks. So I think they're probably going to stick with that. But uh, very hard to like too much of anything there in that game. So, I mean, I guess, you know, since we're talking about really bad games, I presume you don't want to talk about Akron and Bowling Green, do you? No, that's not one of the games that excites me for this weekend at all. I was kind of looking, though. Uh, you think we have a minute to talk SMU and, M- and Memphis? Sure, of course. Uh, I just, you know, um, kind of struggling a little bit, as you can hear by my voice today. So I apologize if this doesn't sound as good as normal. But I will say that, you know, SMU and Memphis, uh, to me, Memphis is a team that I took as a season win total over. I have to tell you, I was really worried that they were going to lose that game against Tulsa. And if Tulsa had put together a decent kick, they would have. Uh, fortunate to get out of that one. Uh, Memphis did have uh, the box score advantage in that game, but Tulsa comes back, almost wins it. I, I think this one sets up pretty well for Memphis. I, w- I would lean Memphis. My PRs like this one a little bit. I think it's a good spot for them. You know, SMU, like you said, is a team that has kind of just barely gotten by several times this year. I mean, they did it against Tulsa, and I believe that game was at home. Uh, SMU is a team that, you know, really hasn't been that great. And maybe their defensive numbers are a bit skewed because they haven't played that many good offenses. Um, I think Memphis is a very good team. Their defense is better than they've been in past years. White is a bit of a question mark for me at quarterback. I think if they had a quarterback that was a little bit more trustworthy, they'd be a really good team. But they have a lot of home run hitters on offense. They have guys who can go the distance almost every single play. Uh, I think they'll hit a lot of big gainers there against SMU. And I think this number will keep going up. So if you like Memphis, I think it'd be better to play it early. I think so, too. I think Memphis winds up being the sharp side here in this one. Memphis, for being as high profile of a group of five team as they are, they've been a very popular sharp side. A lot of times I look at my power ratings and I've got an overlay on Memphis. This week, I actually don't. I actually have the game three and a half, but I totally agree with everything about your handicap that this looks like Memphis or nothing. SMU kind of teetering there sort of trying to get themselves a loss, much like Oregon, like we talked about earlier on in the show. Also, Reggie Roberson may not play for SMU this week. That would hurt them because they've got two very good wide receivers. You take one of them away, all of a sudden the other guy gets double covered. Can Shane Bouchelle find somebody else? I think this spot does set up nicely for Memphis. Probably the best game of the week here. I know Georgia and Florida play, and that should be an interesting cocktail party as always. But I think SMU-Memphis, probably the most intriguing game of the week. Uh, with that New Year's Six bull bid, you know, kind of hanging in the balance there for the group of five. So uh, totally agree with your sentiments there on that one. And probably best not to start the college football dis- or college basketball discussion. Probably best not to go too deep down the rabbit hole with that. So we will save it for next week. And what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some new head coaches. We're talking about some of the rule changes and how they could have a big impact. It would be a good way to talk college basketball on the eve of the start of the season with everything getting underway next Tuesday. So Kyle Hunter, professional handicapper over at huntersportspicks.com. What's going on over there right now, man? Yeah, check out my subscriptions. I've lowered the prices on several of those. 
Also, the Free Picks newsletter went 2-0 and in those this past weekend. So been on a really nice run on the, the free plays here in the past couple seasons. I know this year started out a little bit slower with the free plays in football season. But overall, it's been a really nice run 85 and 54 in the last 139 free picks. So sign up for that free pick newsletter over there at huntersportspicks.com if you haven't already. Well, and like I said, man, I mean, we could have talked to Akron and Bowling Green, but I know your voice is going out. I didn't want to leave you speechless with, uh, you know, a phenomenal game like that. So it's a shame. Yeah, right. That's all right. We'll be able to do it in college basketball. I'm sure we'll find some very, very deep under the radar games to talk about. And again, with that in mind, we're probably going to stop doing our NFL segment or maybe just do very little with Monday Night Football. And then we'll do the joint segments here of the college football first look and handicapping the hardwood. So we'll kind of split the segment in half a little bit, maybe start 40-20 just because we got to let the college basketball season settle in a little bit. But for our listeners out there, just so that you can prepare, we'll do the college football first look and handicapping the hardwood. Once college football winds down, we'll just transition over all to college basketball. So as always, Kyle Hunter of huntersportspicks.com been a great guest for us today. We'll continue to be going forward. Thank you so much for joining me, man, and uh, hope you feel better here this week. All right, thanks. Take care, man. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.